Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, with your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. Now let's join the conversation. We welcome all of you, of course, to the National Crawford Roundtable as we continue through yet another week of the coronavirus crisis. But this is also Resurrection Week. And one of the things that we're reminded of is that no matter what happens, no matter how crazy the storm gets, no matter what happens in the news, no matter how big the crisis may be of coronavirus or anything else, nothing stops the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Jesus is Lord and God is in control. And we're going to talk about that as well as obviously the latest on coronavirus and whether this is God's judgment or not is this his wrath is this a message is this a god thing or is a cigar just a cigar a virus is just a virus and it's part of a fallen world we're going to dive into that discussion as well here on the national crawford roundtable with john rush out of denver roger marsh out of southern california neil boron out of buffalo new york myself bob duco out of detroit gentlemen welcome uh everybody enjoying your hazmat lockdown kind of time by the way is anybody getting is anybody getting a stir crazy here in the house and are you allowed to actually go out and take walks in the neighborhood or do you have to worry about getting a ticket because you were taking a casual country drive like that poor gal in pennsylvania mm. yep. all of do the it. above yeah yeah <laughs> i think uh, yeah even here in colorado we're sort of experiencing a mixture of of what you said now there's isolated cases of you know people being you know uh how should you say this uh contained and questioned uh-huh. I'm, I'm starting to call these guys the brown shirts literally just because that's how it's starting oh to i know lately. i know uh, it's just ridiculous but um personally speaking I, i'm so busy and have so much going on that if i wanted to go take a walk around the block i don't have time yeah well you know what that's a good point actually i was you know john i was uh watching hogan's heroes because i just oh, enjoyed fun. Hogan. it's classic me tv it at night hogan's heroes and uh but you know, it's funny because i was watching some of the you know when hogan would sneak out and he's talking to a couple of people in the restaurant or the market or the cafe in town and they're having to whisper and talk in code with each other because there might be some gestapo agents listening show me your papers please you know and i'm thinking to myself that's kind of what it's feeling like you know if you're talking to somebody it's like okay we got to be we got to be careful. We got to be careful that uh, I-, I can justify what my purpose for this conversation yes. is with somebody or yes. this, my purpose. So it, it is a, it is kind of a strange feeling. Before we get into Resurrection Week, I mean, Neil, how's it happening, happening in New York? Are you feeling like you're under Gestapo watch? Yeah, to some degree. I don't think, you know, I mean, I, I live at the western end of the state. Buffalo is in western New York. And so the downstate New York City area is 400 miles from here. But... Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot of concern that there's going to be some kind of a rolling wave of the virus. So we're we're in pretty much lockdown mode. And there are, you know, you if you happen to be out there, people looking at you like, what are you doing out here? Um, we are being advised, of course, to wear masks. And, uh, you know, yeah, it, we feel that way. There's been a couple of parties broken up by police and that kind of thing. Um, I don't think it's nearly as bad as what's happening in the New York City uh, and tri-state area, Connecticut, New Jersey area. But... Yeah, we're feeling a little bit of it. I, I think cabin fever is also seriously setting in because at the end of a long winter, we want to be outside. So when we get days where it's 55 and sunny or 60 and sunny, you know, we're we're pretty much stir crazy. We just need to move about and right. we don't really kind of have that kind of freedom. So I think it's all compiled together to make it a pretty miserable March and now early April. 
Roger, what's the feel there in the People's Republic of California? <laughs> well, the brown shirts are alive and well. I think seriously, the, the what's been happening <laughs> They've been here, for a while. Yeah, well, they, I, Gavin Newsom jumped on this right away. And <clears throat> I think one of the things that's interesting about uh, the, the spread of the virus and flattening the curve and all that stuff is so many of the steps that California has already taken to make the place, quote unquote, healthier. Uh, we're talking about a state that is ranks 47th in the nation in population density. So, I mean, in terms of, you know, social distancing, six foot, stay inside and everything, uh, there's 900 miles plus from the Mexican border to the Oregon border, there's a lot of room to roam in California. So it's not like the same problem that New York has in terms of heavy concentration of people all in one place. But I think the biggest challenge for Californians right now has been the confusion factor where the governor goes on and says, everybody's got a shelter in place and stay home. But we made a few exceptions. We just won't tell you what they are. So the schools are all closed, but schools get an exception if they want to stay open. You know, and people are scratching their heads. You just walk around to supermarkets <laughs> and restaurants and things. And, and people are like, do I wear the mask? Do I not wear the the mask you know are the police going to get me or are they not riverside county sheriff uh, they issued a strict edict in riverside county that no one can leave the their homes without any kind of mask on you can't can't go anywhere and then the sheriff had to walk it back a little bit and said well it's not like we're going to be giving you tickets or giving anyone fines but there is a, up to six months in jail and a thousand dollar fine if you're not wearing a mask and so people are scratching their heads going what the heck? I think the confusion and fear factor may be even greater risk to californians than the actual risk of uh, contracting covid19 yeah, you know what? True. Actually, Roger, the most important thing I got out of that is you admitting that uh, people in California are really dense. You yes, know, that's, <laughs> I'm just, I'm no, just telling we you. We don't have that much density here. Oh, never mind. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm your density. Okay, that's, yeah, that's really right. obscure. Oh, Nobody yeah. knows what I'm oh, talking boy. about. Hey, okay, yeah, McFly. I, one fact. Okay, exactly. I, yeah. One piece of information that I found interesting, though, that I believe is correct. Uh, is that San Francisco is the city in the U.S. with the second highest population density, as opposed to New York City. So you got New York City, then San Francisco. Um, I don't know where that stat came up. And by the way, I'm not disputing, Roger, what you just said about mm-hmm. California's you know population density. Population on the over, whole, yes. Yeah, spread out over 900 miles. But, I'm, but it is interesting to see that, at least right now, it doesn't look like what's happening in San Francisco, uh, that San Francisco isn't the same as New York City. I, I do wonder if some of those early, you know, lockdown ideas from Gavin Newsom are, are paying dividends or not, because New York lagged behind on that just a little bit. It'll be interesting yeah. to watch to see how that turns out in the end. Yeah, it different temperatures too, well, though, t- guys. T- you, have to, you have to think about that as well. Yeah, warmer temperatures will help, but San Francisco had a whole slew of problems before this showed up. I mean, in terms of what was happening on the street, the homeless crisis, feces on sidewalks and things like that. So it it was kind of a breeding ground before COVID-19 showed up. I'm sure it's been exacerbated by that. And I'm sure that the uh, social distancing has probably helped in that area. I was just talking about the state on the whole. Uh, I don't know if there's any hope for San Francisco. And I say that out of love and respect for our KCBC audience who are there. They're probably nodding their heads and saying, yeah, you're absolutely right. But uh, uh, it, it will be interesting to see how New York and California all play out as the days and weeks wear on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're, we're going to have certainly a lot more coronavirus uh, things to uh, to talk about, obviously. And we'll get into some more of the latest of what's happening uh, with coronavirus and uh, from nationally in the task force and everything else of when this thing might end. We're also later on going to move the discussion into a question of whether this is God's judgment. Is it his wrath? Is this a God thing? Did God send the coronavirus to send us a message? So, I mean, we're going to explore, uh, obviously, a lot of that as well. Uh, 
But I do want to shift the conversation right now for a little bit to uh, this being Resurrection Week. And of course, this Sunday, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, I do want to dive into all of that, uh, but I don't want to start it and then take a break suddenly, which we need to in a couple of minutes. So let's just go ahead and take a quick break right now, and we'll come back and we'll start talking about Resurrection Week and how we process the whole coronavirus thing in the midst of celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're going to continue on this National Crawford Roundtable next. Be transformed by the Word of God with Alistair Begg and Truth For Life. Every weekday, Alistair Begg teaches the Bible through in-depth, verse-by-verse attention to the Word of God. You can listen to Truth For Life on your local Crawford Broadcasting Station or listen online at truthforlife.org. Please support this important ministry with your donations at the truthfullife.org website or by calling 888-588-7884 and be sure to let them know you heard about Truthful Life from the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. As we continue here on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York, Roger Marsh, the bottom line out of Southern California, uh, myself, Bob Duco out of Detroit. And so, guys, obviously everybody's talking coronavirus, but there's something else going on in the news this week. This is Passion Week, uh, of course, where we acknowledge the, uh, the passion leading up to Good Friday of Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. And then, of course, the glorious resurrection uh, Sunday, uh, Easter Sunday as well. Uh, But one thing that's going to be very different about this is the way that this is celebrated. I mean, for the first time in, I believe, American history, churches will be empty on Easter morning. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But first, let's discuss, and Neil, I want to get your take on on the reality of the resurrection, how significant this is, and uh, how we as believers need to take, especially weeks like this, to remind ourselves, wait a minute, Jesus Christ is still Lord, no matter what kind of calamities we may be facing in the world, even if everybody on planet Earth died except two people, okay? And it's like one of these horror movies. Jesus Christ is still Lord. He's still prepared a place for us in heaven. And sometimes I think things like this are just a chance for us to refocus our eyes on what's important. Absolutely. And I know for sure that there are an awful lot of people in the world, believers and non-believers alike, that are reassessing you know, what's really important in their lives. And for us, as followers of Jesus, we have the opportunity to celebrate not only his death and burial, but his resurrection, as he promised. And one thing that really has struck me as we head, you know, towards this weekend is uh, the idea that there are an awful lot of really powerful and prominent people that have made their mark on the world, you know. You think of Alexander Mm -hmm. the Great and... uh, Hitler and Stalin and uh, Confucius and Buddha and Muhammad, and no disrespect to any of them, they all, uh, Churchill, you know, good, bad, or otherwise, there have just been powerful people that have made great impacts on the world, but all of them are dead, and they're in the grave. Uh, Jesus made a powerful impact on the world, but rose again, uh, distinguishing him as Lord and Master over death, hell, and the grave. And that's, that's the God that we serve, you know, that we, our hope isn't just a hope founded in great theological ideas, but in a person who's alive, and his name is Jesus. And so, yeah, when you look at this coronavirus thing, it, we know for sure it's no match to God himself, and he could simply speak the word, peace be still, and the wind and the way. If they, if they can be subdued, coronavirus could be subdued. Uh, it's a broken world that we live in. There's a lot of people that want to you know, say that this is the judgment of God, and I know we'll have more to say about that later. 
but the reality is Christ is with us in the midst of this. He's given us opportunities to bring the light and the hope uh, of his resurrection and the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world, and we've got a story to tell. And and I, I just I, I think hearts are open more than ever before. I think I might have even mentioned on the last podcast or recently uh, that, that my wife has been taking scripture verses with her to work. She's a nurse and um, to some degree on the front lines of this, and uh, you know, everyone wants to see the verses. They, they're looking for hope everywhere, anywhere they can get it. And if Scripture provides us hope and encouragement, uh, people are willing to listen. So, I don't know, I, it's it's a, a very unique time and interesting that Easter is falling, the celebration of the resurrection falls right in the middle of this. I just can't even believe the incredible opportunity God has given to all of us. No, so true. And uh, John, let me ask you about this. I mean, the significance of Easter, if we didn't have coronavirus going on right now, well, we would be talking about Resurrection Sunday and and the significance of Jesus rising from the dead and such. And so coronavirus is consuming everything. But I, I think it's still important for us to to devote some time and remind people that uh, Jesus Christ really did rise from the dead. This isn't just some religious tenet that we hold on to. This actually happened in real space and time 2,000 mm-hmm. years ago. He rose from the dead proving who he was, that he was who he claimed to be uh, God on earth in the flesh, dying for our sins, and you know we don't we don't uh, worship a babe in a manger. We worship a risen Lord who is at the right hand of the Father. Yeah, and everything Neil, you and Bob both have said are you know spot on. And on top of that, I think you know just for me, one of the observations, and it's it's kind of always been you know a concern for me, even even all the years where I sat on you know church boards and did things along those lines. And, you know, that is this, this idea that the church and the building and the sanctuary, which, by the way, I hate that name, and we can get into that maybe at a later date, um, because it's not, you know, our bodies are now the sanctuary and the temple of the Holy Spirit, not some building. It really is just a building with four walls that we meet in. And I think if there's anything we could be reminded of right now, guys, is that the church as a whole, I'm not talking any particular denomination, but the church as a whole we're still going to meet. We're still going to celebrate Easter. We're still going to have our, our hearts and minds in the right place. And the reality is the church is a body. It's not a building. And I think if there's anything right. between even the left and the rest of the world is that we don't have to have a building to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. In fact, a good friend of mine and, and of Rogers, too, Jen Ellis, reminded me this the other day. Some reporter the other day after one of the White House press briefings said, wow. Just dawned on me. This will be the first time that Easter is really not celebrated. And Jenna, you know, Jenna Ellis commented back that on a tweet that no, in fact, it's just the opposite. We celebrate the resurrection of Christ every Saturday and Sunday when we attend church or we do our own service at home or online or however we, you know, however we as Christians do that. We're celebrating that each and every week. So no, Easter is going to go on. It's still going to be celebrated. Nothing changes. We just won't be inside of a building. Right. So true. So true. What do you got? By the way, uh, let me, Roger, I want to get your take on this. Just your, some of your thoughts and observations during this resurrection week and the the significance of Jesus rising from the dead. And boy, I'll tell you what, it really does separate us from every religion, worldly religion that exists around the globe right now. I mean, we do serve a risen Lord. Everybody else is dead and rotting in the grave. 
Yeah, it, it's an interesting uh, observation. I had a, an author on uh, the other day who's a local pastor, but he's also a, an adjunct professor at a local seminary. And uh, he comes from an Indian background and he was talking about, he actually written a book on finding Jesus in all the world's major religions. And he says, one of the challenges that we in the body of Christ have when we're trying to you know preach the gospel and, and, and evangelize other people is not that people don't know who Jesus is. They just don't know who the real Jesus is. And I think right. what we're looking at right now is there's a golden opportunity for us to show to the world who the real Jesus is. And the real Jesus isn't a building or a television show or a book tour or, you know, whatever it is. I mean, he uses those platforms, obviously, to spread the gospel. But the real Jesus is living in each of our hearts. And so uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we've been transformed and we share that with other people. So it will seem odd to those of us who are all about the same age. And, you know, you're looking around going, I remember what a big deal Easter Sunday was. My dad was a choir director at every church we were at when I was growing up. So, of course, I grew up in church. But it took me a few years away from church to actually become a Christian because I grew up in church understanding all the, oh, this is why we dress and this is where we go. And these are the fight songs and the handshakes. And I really didn't have a real relationship with God. I had a real relationship with organized religion. So, you know, mercifully, God rescued me out of that. But but I think now what we're looking at is, yeah, you're right. What happens when you take away the traps and the accoutrements and the Easter brunches and the egg hunts and all that stuff and say, okay, well, how is this day any different than any other? And the reality, as you noted, Bob, is we celebrate the resurrection every day. We're celebrating the resurrection right now, you know, right. just because we're not taking communion. I mean, every time two or more are gathered, we're celebrating the resurrection of our Lord. So um, this is the day we magnify the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But, um, you know, we celebrate the resurrection all the time. And an interesting study, I believe it was Pew Research, we're asking people during the coronavirus COVID-19 issue, how many, you know, are you praying for a cure? You know, just asking that question. And the percentage of Americans who said, you know, I'm a Christian and I'm praying for a cure, 73%. The total number of Americans on the whole said they're praying for the cure was 86%, which means somewhere hmm. around 10 to 15% of people who would not consider themselves Christians, they consider themselves atheists, agnostic, whatever, even they say, I'm praying. You know, I, I don't know why, right. I don't know to whom, but I'm praying. Mm -hmm. And I, so I, yeah, I see that as an it. opportunity for us to say, hey, guys, look, people right. are searching. They really are. And so, and we have the best news around, you know, it's a very exciting right. time. Right. So I, I know it's kind of a uh, type of Easter because it's not the one we typically are, are, have celebrated, but I think it's an exciting time. Actually, I'm really looking forward to this week. You know, I, I, I am too. And actually, John, to, uh, to, to, to his point here, this is an opportunity for us to reach people for the gospel. The question is, though, how do we actually make that happen? Because after 9-11, people came into the churches and we had physical bodies there that we at least had a couple of months uh, that we could try to connect with. Right now, or try, you know, they can go online and such, but for the most part, uh, we're not able to make that kind of physical connection. So how do we... Uh, if this sounds a little bit too strategic, but how do we capitalize on this? No, if I could pull a Rahm Emanuel, how do we yeah, not no, let this crisis question. go to waste? That's a great question. And, and, and by the way, it's one of the things that I don't see happening as much as it should be. And, you know, we have got all these means at our disposal that can be used for bad or it can be used for good. What I mean by that is electronically, the Internet, things like that. So they can be used for bad. They can be used for good. And the one thing is I don't see churches. I mean, churches have been capitalizing very well on pushing services out. But yet I don't see a lot of churches putting out, you know, two or three daily posts on like, you know, like like Neil said, his wife is taking a scripture verse to work. OK, so why aren't churches and, and you know, organizations thought like that, you know, even parachurch organizations pushing out 
you know, the message of hope on a daily basis. And if they are, and I'm not seeing it, then, you know, I guess maybe I'm blind, but, you know, I get a lot of news feeds that come into my string on a regular basis and are into my feed on a regular basis. And I don't see guys, uh, you know, organizations, churches, et cetera, taking this particular opportunity where to Neil's point, then Roger's point, both, they are looking for answers. We're not pushing that out. And, and, Let's face it, right now, you're not going to go door to door. You're not going to get them into your building, to Bob's point. So the reality is use the tools that you have in front of you, which right now is, you know, texting, it's email, it's social media, it's all those things. It's Instagram, it's Snapchat. I can go down the list, guys. It's TikTok. It's whatever you could possibly do as a church. And frankly, guys, I think that's an area we're missing the boat right now. Yeah, that's a good point. Neil, what's your take on that? I mean, he makes a very good point. How do we capitalize on this effectively so we don't muff this opportunity that we have well i think there's obviously a number of ways that people are trying to do that um, and let's talk about that but we need to take a break so we'll do that right here you're listening to the national crawford roundtable learn how to walk the narrow path with steve gray with over 40 years of studying the bible steve gray is passionate about teaching you how to apply scriptural wisdom to every aspect of your life Listen to The Narrow Path on your local Crawford Broadcasting Station or online at thenarrowpath.com. The Narrow Path is 100% listener supported. Please keep this vital ministry going with your generous financial support and let them know you heard about The Narrow Path on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. This is the National Crawford Roundtable. My name is Neil Boron. With us today as well is Bob Duco, kind of officiating this thing from Detroit, Michigan. Uh, we've got John Rush with us in Denver, Colorado, and Roger Marsh in Southern California. Um, how do we take advantage of it? I think like we do any other circumstance. I think we pray and we ask God for leading and direction. But I, and as much as John and I totally agree uh, with the idea that, you know, we use every uh, tool that's been given us, you know, whether it's Snapchat or Instagram or live streaming or Facebook Live or whatever it is to get the message out. We also use simple conversation. You know, we use scribbling notes on a piece of paper, sending a, a letter to a shut-in, uh, you know, via snail mail. Like, it still exists, you know. But and the point is that we listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit uh, Spirit, and we respond accordingly. Because, and uh, John, I kind of hope we get into some of what you were talking about earlier. We are the church. The whole idea that, you know, church has to be a building is a little upsetting to me in one sense. I mean, we say that. We always say, you know, the church isn't a building, it's the body of Christ. But look at places around the world where buildings for worship don't exist. You know, when you think about communist China and the Sudan and other places where the uh, parts of the Middle East where the gospel has completely been squashed or attempted to be squashed uh, by formal gatherings of believers, it's, it's been impossible to do it. And the Holy Spirit, you know, has 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 reached out and grabbed hold of the hearts of people in seemingly impossible circumstances. And I just think, you know, whatever the means might be, uh, whether it's talking to a friend across a driveway, you know, social distancing while you do it, making meaningful connections with people and loving them where they're at and addressing their fears and and going to God personally to address our own fears and, and uh, praying uh, either for people out loud or silently, you know, for their needs that all of it represents opportunity and uh, taking advantage of what God has made available to us. And, uh, you know, our lives have been transformed. We are eyewitness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're his ambassadors, wherever that might be. And, you know, think about it. I mean, the Apostle Paul was bound in chains in prison and wrote several 
uh, of his letters, you know, New Testament epistles, wrote several books of the Bible that we read in the New Testament while he was in bondage, while he was detained. So, uh, and, and Shakespeare wrote several of his most famous plays, you know, during a plague that he endured during his lifetime. I mean, there's a lot of really powerful and creative stuff have come out of seemingly impossible circumstances. And I just think that, I honestly believe that we were created for such a time as this. Like, this could be and should be the church's finest hour because we are the church and the Holy Spirit of God is alive and living inside of us, empowering us uh, to do everything that he's calling us to do. Like, it's not that Mm -hmm. we're on our own trying to make this stuff up, that he wants to work through us to bring light and love and hope to the people that really need it. That's such a good point. Roger, let me ask you, I'm I'm curious, when we look at I mentioned 9-11 before. After 9-11, everybody was flooding into the churches. Okay, fine. That lasted a couple of months. And then before you know it, people went back to their normal lives. It didn't really, it didn't stick. It didn't take, unfortunately. Uh, what do you think is going to happen here? Bible sales are up. If you look at mm-hmm. uh, online sales, places like this. so you got a bunch of people buying Bibles. Uh, prayer is up. We see that in the polls. Does this thing stick by the time we get into summer and coronavirus is pretty much behind us? And now we're getting back, in, you know, now we're getting to the political conventions and here we go again and we're getting ready for the fall election and such. And, and it's like, oh, what's coronavirus going to be like when it comes back this fall? Those discussions will happen. But uh, is everybody going to just go back to their regular routines again? Or do you think we might actually retain some of this increased reaching out for God? Well, I'll start with the the. the begin with the end in mind, right? I I don't think there's going to be a regular routine anymore. There's going to be a new normal for people, regardless of how they, you know, get up off the mat from this. Some people won't get up. They'll still just be down and waiting for it to continue to keep coming back. And others will come back in, uh, you know, in in pretty good fashion. I I think it's an excellent point that so many people are really searching out answers. And you mentioned the Bible sales, which is uh, very, very encouraging and similar to what we saw after 9-11. I think the difference between this and that is 9-11 was an event. happened on a day there was some fallout i mean there were some you know some people dealing with illnesses and ptsds and stuff moving on but i think the reality is this one doesn't seem to have any finish line right now and so and and quite frankly with the western media especially getting so much mileage out of it they're not going to let it finish i mean the the recovery rate internationally is three times as high as the death rate for covid19 you would never hear that anywhere except on one of our programs the recovery rate in the united states is two to one i mean in terms of we are making tremendous progress here but if the media wants to keep milking this thing for as much as they will that being the case living in a culture now where people have the google it mentality and google is god i'm sure there are some people who are looking for a quick fix to this so they can get back to their normal lives the prayer that we have is that people will see lives transformed i'm hoping that some will i i believe that some really truly will have a transformational experience as a result of this but my hunch is a lot of people right now are just looking for something to get them through so they can get back to their normal lives the question is you know how long is that going to take and how much impact will it be that's a very good point. Well, what we're going to do in the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable is we are going to shift the discussion toward uh, what the significance is, what the spiritual significance of coronavirus is. One of the most common questions asked of people is, is this God's wrath? Is this God's punishment? Maybe uh, there are a lot of memes that we see on the Internet uh, and some isolated parts of scripture even that are pulled out uh second chronicles seven fourteen. a lot of people pointed to this and so is there something that god is doing specifically in this coronavirus in that he brought it on somehow as a message or a sign or a revelation or a punishment 
or is a virus just a virus in a fallen world? We're going to dive into that part of the question in the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast. And you can listen to the second half online uh, by going to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Crawford.live as well. And we'll continue the second half of this with John, Roger, Neil, and myself, Bob, here on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting production. And we continue this National Crawford Roundtable podcast with myself, Bob Duco, the Bob Duco Show out of Detroit, Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York, Roger Marsh, the bottom line out of Southern California, John Rush, Rush to Reason out of the People's Republic of California. And uh, I'm sorry, John Rush is out of Colorado, no, Roger that's Marsh. A pretty of good, that's, a, no, that's a pretty good description, Bob. Actually, that's kind of what we've become. Is it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so All the, the people transplants. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. So okay, so people. So, so now you're right. It's the People's Republic of Colorado now, and on top of everything else, of course, John out of Colorado, Roger out of Southern California. But uh, so, uh, gentlemen, we've been talking about, of course, coronavirus, and this being Easter week, of course, uh, it's a Resurrection Sunday coming up. And I don't know about you, but I'm amazed how many times I end up hearing from people. What do you think this is? Is this God's punishment? Is this God's wrath? Uh, you have a lot of celebrities even that are that are pointing to this now. You had uh, Hulk Hogan, who, uh, interestingly enough, he just put on Instagram this week that uh, what we need more than a vaccine is we need Jesus. I don't know that much about his faith and, and how committed of a Christian he is. I have no idea. That's between him and God. You have Courtney Corda- Kardashian. I have no idea which one of the Kardashians she is. I don't even know who any of these reality she, people she's the are. Least, but least famous of the three Kardashians. Okay. Yeah, easily. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know what? I, I, I've heard of Kim Kardashian because I know, of course, uh, that, that she is where, has worked with President Trump and was very instrumental in criminal justice reform and such. And then I remember Robert Kardashian, who was part of the OJ Dream Team. Uh, but other than that, who knows? But anyway, she posted... Uh, a, a she circled from scripture second chronicles 7 14 actually she included 13 and 14 in this and wrote pay attention children and, and so this question is being thrown out there is this god's judgment is coronavirus being brought by god and guys i want to throw this out on the table because i it, my, my take on this god is god God can do what he wants. Uh, God has certainly judged nations before. We see this with Sodom and Gomorrah. We know he judged the earth at the time of Noah's flood. We know he's going to judge the earth again. Uh, but at the same time, I see this as a virus that's part of what happens in a fallen world. And so can we find a way to use this to draw people to the Lord? Of course, but I, unless I'm missing something, I don't see any reason to believe that God specifically created the coronavirus to inflict this upon humanity as some some kind of Sodom and Gomorrah type judgment. I'm just not seeing that. But let's throw it around the table and, and have some conversation on this. Anybody? I'll, I'll jump in you, for Bob. a second. No, go, no, go ahead. Neil, go first. Go ahead. That's fine. I, I should have let you go first because I'm just scribbling a note here. 
to get Bob uh, a complete guide to the Kardashians for his next book. Oh, I appreciate that. I appreciate okay. that. I'll be happy to provide that for you, Bob. Kardashian, Kardashians for dummies, please, because I got no idea who these people are. Send that to me too, Neil, would you please? Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to read it first and then send it to him. I'll re-gift Thank it to you. him. How about that? Thanks. Um, yeah. Okay, so I want to say thank you for what you just said and it's ironic i think that it's not ironic i think it's powerful that we're talking about it during this week because this is the week where we celebrate the death burial and resurrection of christ and and the question has to be you know when we sing songs like jesus paid it all what what does that actually mean you know did was the was a sacrifice made for sin once for all as it says in first peter 3 9 um how effective was Christ's death at Calvary? Did it accomplish what it, it set forth to do? And I personally believe that the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus on the cross. One day, for those who fail to receive him, they'll pay the consequences for choosing to reject the offer of forgiveness and reconciliation that was made available to every single human being on this planet through the person of Jesus Christ. So um, there is a day of judgment coming in the future. Uh, but I believe that Jesus paid it all, literally. Uh, Romans 2, 4 says, Do you think lightly of the riches of his tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God is what leads us to repentance? Um, a verse like the kindness of God leads us to repentance becomes completely nullified if we're going to create a theology that says that God selectively pours out his wrath on certain groups of people. I mean, we would have to ask the question, since the U.S. is now leading the world in coronavirus deaths uh, was it specific sin you know that the u.s was committing that he decided to go after us i heard one pastor say judgment begins with the household of god so then i would in a sense tongue-in-cheek but also literally ask the question is it maybe that we have gossip and bitterness or laziness or lukewarmness in the church or that 40 percent of pastors are addicted to pornography is that why god would be pouring out his wrath uh just unfortunately non-believers get caught up in this as well or is god specifically angry with elderly people therefore elderly or the infirmed or people with breathing disorders or pre-existing conditions you know he's he's specifically angry at them uh, I, I think it becomes like a ludicrous theology if we begin to look at it that way. Does God use brokenness to mold us and shape us? Sure, because in the midst of the suffering that we experience on this planet because of the fall, Bob, you alluded to that, because that brokenness exists and we live in a fallen world, there is death and disease and hatred and bitterness and sin and, and things that cause sorrow and suffering that one day will be removed from our presence the day, you know, that we are able to see Jesus face to face, there's going to be none of that anymore. But in the meantime, this is the result of living in a fallen, broken world. And last thing I'll say, uh, there's more I could say, but the, the last thing I want to just add right here is that I believe today is the day of salvation. What I mean by that um, is that God has given us a window of time to preach the good news and to say, look, in the midst of this fallenness, we have a Redeemer, a Savior who came to deliver us from this mess. And yes, we still, as believers, experience some of this pain ourselves. I mean, one of us could get coronavirus or a family member. Um, we could get cancer. You know, bad stuff happens to, to good people in a fallen world. But we have a hope, and our hope is not of this world. Our hope is for the next world, you know, that that ultimately is our home. That's our place. That's what we were created for. In the meantime, we want to bring as many people as we can with us. So I think the encouragement is to, to recognize that this is a tremendous opportunity in the midst of suffering to say, look... There's real hope. Uh, there's a future. There's a better place coming one day. 
in the meantime, we have an advocate, somebody who can walk with us through this mess. And I want to invite you to get to know him because he's transformed my life. And just acknowledge that this is a part of fallenness. I don't see it as a specific act of judgment of God against the world. That's that's my opinion. I'm sticking to yeah. it. Very well said. Very well said. Uh, John, what's your take on this? What do you say when somebody asks you, is this the wrath of God? Is this the punishment of God, coronavirus? Is he sending us a message somehow? He sends us messages all the time, by the way, not just with coronavirus, but with lots of other things that come our way. And he is always seeking the lost. I mean, that's that's the one thing that we know is that God is always seeking the lost, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone, you know, would have a, a fulfilled life, a fulfilled life, I should say, in, in a life with him and, and end up in eternity spending their, their days with him and not in hell. And so, you know, he, he's using things on a daily basis to bring people to him. Is he using coronavirus and did he send this virus? I think that's probably the better way to say it. Did he send this virus upon yeah. the planet to do that? The answer is no. Uh, that we, I've said this before. I would say this to anybody asking. We live in a fallen world. There's lots of things that happen on a routine basis. The one thing about the coronavirus, which I think we have to be reminded of, is yes, it's deadly. Yes, it spreads quickly. Yes, it can affect the elderly and the compromised. But so do a lot of other things in life. In fact, driving for the elderly is one of the most dangerous things that they can do. So the reality is, right. we all know as we get older, the risks increase for us getting closer to meeting him if we're a Christian. And so, you know, is this the wrath of God upon the world and upon the United States of America? The answer is no. Is this some sort of a, a plot to bring in, you know, the rapture, the tribulation in the end times? And is this one of the ways God's doing so? Again, I say, no, I, I don't believe that's the case. Is this, you know, is this not this coronavirus, not even a virus? And is it caused by all the 5G towers that have been put up around <laughs> the world? The answer is no. I mean, there every single time and guys, I've been in the church the majority of my life. You know, unlike you, Bob, I was raised in a, a very strict, you know, legalistic Christian home when I was a kid. And I'll tell you what, guys, I have heard the stories that we're hearing now since I was a young child. And every time some sort of a calamity came on the world, the Christian community would be one of the first ones to come out and say, yep, it's God's wrath, the rapture's just around the corner. I've been hearing that now for the past 50 plus years. And the reality is, is that coming someday? Yes. Is this it? No. Right. Which, by the way, uh, the whole 5G question and is this a chinese bioweapon or is a 5g and it's not even really a virus or what the covid 19 conspiracy theories guys we may some week just have to do a discussion on the covid 19 conspiracy theories and <laughs> and explore that and you know maybe next week we'll do it we'll see we'll come up with a week to to hit those and get them out on the table uh john very very well said roger how would you answer the question when somebody asks is this god's wrath God's punishment, did God send the coronavirus? You know, I, I, I honestly believe that God is a God of, uh, of love. He's a God of goodness. Uh, he allows for evil in the world. I mean, we remember that the reason we have a sin condition in the first place is because uh, there was a tree that had the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. We were told not to eat of it because that would keep our minds pure. Two people decided to eat of that tr fruit. And then all of a sudden they know the difference between good and evil. So now we kind of have this this back and forth conundrum of what do we do you know in terms of the fact that we know there's evil in the world and the tendency is to think when there's something this large and this great that 
it has to be from God because it would going to be, you know, God's wrath on, on us all. And we read Revelation and see there will be a day when God will pour out his wrath. But until that day happens, I look at Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It doesn't necessarily say from what I read this, and Paul's not saying God causes all these bad things to happen so then he could do good things out of them, but rather he looks at the bad, the evil that is in the world, and there is mm-hmm. sin and disease in the world. One of the phrases that I hear over and over again that just drives me nuts is when you hear people in the community saying, this guy died of COVID-19, and he was perfectly healthy up to that point. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> who's perfectly healthy? I mean, are you kidding right. me? I mean, Let's face it, as much as we try to take the vitamin supplements and eat vegan and exercise and keep our minds pure, nobody is perfectly healthy. I mean, none. Right. There, there's no way. As long as there's sin and evil well in the world, they're not going to well be perfectly said. healthy. So the idea that that people who are in some, you know, these superhuman states would, you know, miraculously fall and succumb to this, I think it's ridiculous. But do I think this is God's judgment upon America or the world? No, I don't. Um, I think God is using this opportunity to, and he's speaking volumes, you know, he's speaking very loudly to a lot of people in terms of who he is and what sin is all about and what evil's all about. Um, but I, I certainly wouldn't, uh, you know, be so bold as to suggest that God sitting on his throne says, you know, I'm sick of all of you. This is Noah's Ark all over again. I'll give you a virus. I, I just, I don't, I don't see that happening. Now, toward that end, the virus is real and we have to take it seriously and, and understand, you know, the ramifications of it. But the spiritual ramifications are far greater. And I'm, again, I, I don't want to sound like, you know, Mr. Happy Face all the time, but I'm very encouraged. I'm very encouraged by what, what's happening because it is driving people to, uh, to to take a look at the most ultimate question in life, which is what will you do with Jesus Christ? So um, not that not this is a wrath of God moment, but it certainly is one that's kind of fine tuning our hearts and our eyes and our ears toward Judgment Day for sure. Yeah, yeah, and Roger, and by the way, I know we got to take a short break here, Roger. But to, to can you expound a little bit also on uh, how we really can look at this in a, a, a positive light instead of a negative, scary light? Because it is so true. There is there is so much good and so much opportunity for God to make lemonade out of this lemon, as He does. But that doesn't mean that God is the one who sent this coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Sin is what sent this coronavirus, along with all the other things that have happened on this earth over the last six thousand years. Uh, but God. Uh, it does uh, God is masterful at turning what was meant for evil for good. And I'd just love it if you could kind of give us some encouragement on that after the break. Sure, I'll do that. Let's take a break and we'll come back with more in just a moment here on this edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Dr. Michael Yusuf leads the way for people living in spiritual darkness to discover the light of Jesus Christ. This tremendous outreach begins with the proclamation of God's word through the uncompromising biblical teaching of Dr. Michael Yusuf. Leading the Way is here to equip and strengthen the church to stand strong and to advance the gospel in today's ever-changing world. Listen to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf at ltw.org listen, and be sure to mention you heard about their program on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Welcome back to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. I'm Roger Marsh, along with Bob Duco, Neil Boron, and John Rush, and we are solving all of the world's problems one problem at a time. <laughs> That's right. Uh, whatever I know, I, I, I don't, I don't know that we are necessarily. But in all honesty, I think the the level of conversation that we're able to have each week, especially on the COVID nineteen thing, and in light of what's happening with Easter, uh, is this God's wrath? Uh, these are conversations that I, I know will be a benefit to people, and we encourage you if you're listening to Apple Podcast. 
podcast or Stitcher, tune in wherever you are. Um, rate the program. I noticed the last time I looked at our Apple podcast, I think we had nothing but five-star ratings, which is great. Um, please rate us and then share this with your friends because uh, I, podcasts are growing in popularity. Radio broadcasts like the ones we host every day are still on the air. And uh, we're and all the Crawford hosts are live and, and keeping it real with regard to this issue. So just a little push for terrestrial radio as well. Uh, Bob, before the break, you had uh, we, we were talking about the spiritual significance and the hope that we see in uh, in the midst the, the light in the midst of the uh, darkness uh, last night i actually did brave the the elements here we've been getting a bit of rain here in the people's republic of california and um, i went out to get some pizza at a local pizza place that everyone likes to go to and we're trying to support the local businesses to keep them going and as i was walking back to the car with my face mask firmly in place of course um, i felt like i was huh. a bandit i felt like i'd gone in to rob the place i mean i looked like one of those old western bandits you know that's what a lot of people are here look like because right. we're in bandanas but it's a silent no. alarm when people like you walk yeah. in <laughs> that's right it must be he's got a pass he's a clerical caller and a mask look out okay here he comes but i, I was really taken as i was pulling out of the parking lot there was this massive black rain storm cloud that you know is just going to you know unleash on us later in the evening and another one to the right but in the middle of it it was just about sunset and so you saw the light of the sun setting and the blue sky and everything and it was right square in the middle and i just i was praying i said lord thank you for reminding us that you are the light in the darkness that you are that that vision of hope that we can have that this is a storm right now mm. that's really uh that you can use for good and you will use for good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose for people out Outside the church right now, sure, it's got to be terrifying because there's no amount of government stimulus money. There's no legislation that we can pass. There are no vaccines that we can come up with that's going to make their life normal again. It helps us to realize that there are forces greater than us that are in control. And of course, the, the greatest force is the, the hand of God. But I'm encouraged to see what was it? Um, the president tweeted out last weekend that he was going to watch Greg Laurie, Pastor Greg Laurie's Harvest right. uh, Church online. And did you see what happened to the attendance online? for Harvest Church. It went up by like 400%. There were like a million, 300,000 people who watched. Many of them were just curious. Okay, who's this guy Trump's watching? Whatever it is. But And 11,000 people professed faith in Christ over the weekend. I mean, we're, we're seeing more and more of that type of thing happening. And, you know, is it a profession that gets caught up in the moment because of the emotion? Is it kind of a quote-unquote decision theology where someone made a good sales pitch and, and then you responded to it? You know, do you want to start Friday or Monday? Do you want the black car or the blue car? You know, sometimes right. we can our evangelism sounds like that, but it, I, I, I just have to believe I'm hopeful that um, not just this Easter Sunday, but every day that these types of things are happening, more and more people are asking the questions that they wouldn't have asked before. And we have a very first Peter three fifteen moment to all, we all, we're always supposed to be prepared to give an answer. Now's a golden time for us to step up. So rather than let this viral issue drag us down, Praise God, none of us in our immediate family have had any major challenges with it, but my heart goes out to those who are wrestling with it. Um, this is a great time to be alive, and it's a great time to be a believer. Yeah, you know what? It really is. It, it does seem that uh, so much of society looks for somehow, some way to turn something into a big cataclysmic Armageddon. Uh, God is, you know, it's the end of the world kind of thing. And, you know, I got to thinking about it. I mean, Roger, you Great, encouraging words, uh, and I, we so much appreciate that. Uh, I want to talk about this tendency that people have to uh, to try to create end of the world situations whenever something like this happens. And uh, should we 
use this as an opportunity to draw people to the Lord. And, and absolutely, okay, does God uh, use times like this for his good? Of course he does. But let's put this whole thing into perspective. I don't know. None of us know what the final death tally is going to be when coronavirus is done. Not that we can actually really know when the death tally is finalized because you're always going to have somebody dying from coronavirus and that we always have somebody dying from the flu all 12 months of the year even though there's an end of the flu season that doesn't mean that the deaths ever hit zero for the flu and i don't know that we can expect they would ever hit zero for coronavirus we'll see but what the the uh the modeling numbers have gone from 100,000 down to 87,000 now they're at 60,000 anticipated deaths okay i don't know what the total number of deaths are going to be is it going to be 20 30 40,000 we don't really know uh but let's say that ends up being what it is if we're going to call this oh it's the end of the world and it's a god thing why wasn't the 1918 spanish flu considered then god's judgment on mankind there there weren't 40 or 50 or 20,000 deaths there there were between 20 and 50 million deaths the bubonic plague of the uh, 1346 to 1353 there were a low end to high end 75 million to 200 million deaths during that the justinian uh, bubonic plague of 541 542 AD had 25 million deaths and then you add to that so many other things like the the smallpox outbreak of the 1520s that was uh 56 million lives lost then you got the cholera pandemic of 1852 to 1860 that was a million deaths the asiatic flu of 1889 a million deaths the cholera pandemic of 1910 800,000 deaths asian flu of the late 1950s 2 million deaths the hong kong flu of 1968 1 million deaths and of course we know hiv aids at this point is over 36 million deaths uh i i guess i don't want to minimize the severity of coronavirus but for those who see this and are blowing this up into a it's armageddon it's god's punishment on humanity uh, i'm thinking 50 years from now when you look in the history books at the severity of certain pandemics i mean i hate to say this but coronavirus is going to be down the list quite a ways uh guys and so i just let's take it seriously let's take all the steps we need to take let's mitigate deaths as best as possible while trying to restart our economy but let's not try to overblow this into some kind of worldwide event because marked against history and other diseases and pandemics over even just the last two thousand years this is actually going to end up i don't mean to sound insensitive but neil this is going to end up historically being kind of small yeah, and I know we need to take a break soon, so let me just comment quickly. I, that's the problem with these end-of-the-world scenarios and some type of a theology that tries to fear-monger people into receiving Jesus. Uh, uh, they're, they're real, and they're deadly, and they're serious, but in comparison, it, it looks frivolous, silly almost, to consider this as some kind of an end-of-the-world scenario and which is why i'm going to go back to it we have been commanded to preach the good news uh of the gospel 
right. We were never told to go preach hellfire and brimstone. We were told to share the good news. So anyway, uh, John, I know John, John, he's making a good point. Yeah, you know, he is. He's a great point, Neil, by the way. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and get things finished up. We are listening or you are listening, I should say, to the National Crawford Roundtable. Dr. James Dobson left a successful career in academia to preserve and promote the biblical family in America. The radio broadcasting ministry of Dr. Dobson spans over four decades, earning him 17 honorary doctorate degrees and an induction into the National Radio Hall of Fame. Today, Dr. Dobson continues to champion marriage and parenthood through Family Talk. Listen every weekday at drjamesdobson.org and be sure to reference the National Crawford Roundtable podcast when asked how you listen to Family Talk. And we're back, National Crawford Roundtable. Myself, Neil Boron, of course, Roger Marsh, and Bob Duco. And you know, Neil, spot on. And, and I really appreciate what you just said because that, that really is the truth. And, and that's, I guess, one of the things, and I would, I would say anybody listening to this podcast, especially Christians, where you, know, you see some of these things, you know, they're everywhere. I'm getting them emailed to me from listeners even, guys, and that's why I wanted to even kind of talk about this some today and, and, you know, suggested that to Bob a week ago is I think there's a lot of folks out there that are really uh, confused and, and they don't look at what Neil just said. And I think they need to. And I think on top of that, you've got to, you know, you guys know me, I'm a numbers guy. So I always look at numbers, not to minimize death because, and Bob, you said that correctly. I don't want to minimize anything. And we do need to take precautions. I mean, as Christians, we don't run, we don't run down the freeway at a hundred miles an hour, putting everybody's lives in danger when we're driving. You know, we do our best to drive correctly and do the things that we're supposed to and be courteous and so on. You know, we don't right. drink and drive and all of those other things. And that's, I think, how we need to really look at this virus. But guys, I, this is something nobody's talking about right now in the United States of America. And these are 2017 numbers. I need to get, you know, 2019 numbers, but around 2.8 million people in the United States die every year, 2.8 million. So we have death going on around us every single day, and it's just a normal part of life. You you live, and it's once appointed to man to die after that, the judgment. And we need to remember that on a regular basis. The other thing I thought was really interesting, guys, and I know you can say I'm morbid, whatever you want to say, but yesterday on my way to the station, I just thought, you know, I'm going to go past a couple of cemeteries on purpose because there's all of this talk about deaths and everybody's dying and everybody's dying of coronavirus. So, man, the grave digger ought to be in full mode swing. There, are, you know, He ought to be out there with the backhoe digging as many graves as possible in cemeteries. I went past two, and, and there's nothing out of the norm going on in those cemeteries. So if everybody's dying, why aren't the cemeteries overflowing? Right. That's, you know what, it's a very good point. It is a very good point. And when you look at the amount of deaths that that happen uh, all throughout this uh, all throughout this country every single year, it's almost like we've accepted the fact that these are I hate to use the word acceptable, but these are these are woven into the fabric of our life. We recognize that bad things yeah. happen and that there are things that can kill you. Uh, yes. The flu, and, not trying to and, 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 yeah, go ahead. stop you. I want to stop you for just one second, too, because I think as Christians, if we're really going to preach the things that we should be and and. I'm not trying to, you know, belittle or put anybody down, but we all know that there are many a Christian that live about as unhealthy a life as you could possibly lead. Heart disease in America, for, 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 for all of you listening, number one 
cause of death in the United States of America, we lose out of all of the deaths, almost 25% of all deaths are from heart disease. And by the way, in a lot of cases, heart disease is preventable through diet, exercise, proper management of things, even medications and so on. And yet as Christians, how, you know, how many of us don't eat properly? You know, we serve donuts for, for, you know, coffee hour at, 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 at church and, you know, all the other things that we do, you know, if we're really preaching what we're supposed to be practicing, we don't, guys. Right. Uh, but then the question becomes, so now does the government step in and ban Happy Meals and ban large size of course uh, big not. gulps? Oh, sorry, Neil. And, personal and, responsibility. Uh, <laughs> Roger. <laughs> I know, you know, but, you know, but it's true. This happens all the time. You know, not trying to compare the flu to coronavirus. I understand all the differences between the two. But, you know, something, the latest numbers from the CDC, and we've talked about this before, from the 2017-2018 flu season, there were 61,200 deaths from the flu in this country, and there were 810,000 hospitalizations from the flu, uh, and this is from the CDC. So far this year, just this cold and flu season alone, uh, we are at this point over 30,000 uh, flu deaths in this country. And we're not seeing a daily tally on this and therefore creating a sense of fear and panic. We don't feel like, oh, no. What if I get the flu this season? Oh, no. We don't get in our car and say, oh, no. What if I die on my way to work? But guess what? There will be thirty-five to 40,000 automobile deaths year That's after right. year after year in this That's country. Right. And we don't That's feel right. that sense of fear. But there right. is this sense of, oh, no. What if I get coronavirus? Not saying we don't mitigate that. Not saying we don't take steps. But come on, folks. Let's, let's live our lives and remember that Jesus Christ is Lord and we live in a fallen world with things that can kill us through the course of our lives. That's part of living in a fallen world. And of all That's the right. million different things that can take our lives, it's been, there, there's been a new thing added to the mix, coronavirus. Okay, but it's part of the mix of life and death that we experience every day. Yep. Oh, you're exactly right, Bob. In fact, and I have family members and I, and I tend to you know, sort of preach at them, I guess, because I was somebody that was very overweight, you know, 10, 10 plus years ago and realized that was not the lifestyle I should be living. It didn't glorify the Lord. It just was, it wasn't glorifying my family. It's just not what I should have been doing. You can't be 120 pounds overweight and really do the things that you need to be doing and, and, and really living the life I believe God intended us for, for us to live. So, you know, being overweight and, and diabetes, guys, we'll lose around 90,000 people a year to diabetes. So the reality mm. is you've got a higher chance of dying from diabetes than the coronavirus. Uh, you know what? That is a very good point. So I, I guess, and Neil, let me, or actually Roger, I'm sorry, let me toss this over to you, Roger. Uh, your take on the proper perspective that we need to, obviously, Jesus is Lord, we trust him in the midst of all of this. But it does seem to the point that John is making here that maybe if we just look at some numbers as well and recognize in the grand scheme of things, uh, when you get up every day, there are different things that could happen to you, whether it's driving your car, whether it's catching the flu, whether it's heart, a heart attack or heart disease. There are different things through the course of the day that you could die from or that a loved one could die from. And we don't allow that to paralyze ourselves with fear. And we got to be careful with coronavirus and realize, yes, it's deadly. Yes, it's dangerous. We need to be smart. But at the same time, you have a much, much, much better chance of dying from some non-coronavirus issue today than we do of coronavirus. Let's put it into perspective. 
Yeah, and I think that perspective is is shaped by our experiences when it comes to life and death issues. You know, there are a lot of people who haven't had the uh, mortality staring them right in the face, and other people have. Both Lisa, my wife, and I have, um, with me with my heart. And her, actually, right after we started dating, uh, she was uh, someone went after her when she was driving. They thought that she cut them off, and they came up and took a bite out of her car while she was driving at 60 miles an hour on the freeway. So uh, that we, we, there, are, there are things that will really shape your perspective. I love the conversation. I mean, there, obviously, there are a couple of, you know, goalposts here. Or, or I guess I should say bumpers. One of them is Jesus is Lord. God's still on the throne. That's not going to be a problem. The other one is people die every day. And there are other things that you have much greater risk of dying from. But we all live in the middle of that. And I think that the way we approach this is twofold. First of all, how do we each process it individually? And secondly, how are the people that we're interacting with processing it too? Uh, I know this is going to sound trite, but uh, I think it's it's germane to this conversation. My friend and mentor, Jim Burns with the Homeward Ministries, when he's talking to parents about their kids when they first have that first crush on a member of the opposite sex, or in these days, maybe on the same sex. And he said, you know, they'll, he go, well, it's puppy love. They're going to outgrow it. It's puppy love. And Jim will always say, yeah, but puppy love is real to puppies. And I think right. we have to be compassionate to, yeah. you know, the, yeah, the, well the where people are, you know, in terms of, right. you know, how, how we relate to them. So, yes, there's the knowledge and the wisdom that we have, but also understanding, too, where people are coming from and not saying that you total, totally pander and cater to that, but also just understand where people are. And, and I think this is, you know, in the same way God so loved the world that Jesus Christ put on the form of a man and made himself lower than the angels, made himself lower than us. I mean, he was the lowliest of servants as we're commemorating this week in Holy Week. I mean, the first act of service after Jesus said, I am the new covenant. My blood is the new covenant for you and for, for all people. He then gets up, takes out his outer garment, puts a towel around his waist and performs the most menial task, any slave. It was the, the lowest hmm, of low yeah. as far as the slaves would go. And so basically he's God for crying out loud. I mean, Jesus walking the earth should have destroyed everybody in his wake because he's holy and they're not, but he had to hold back and he relates with us. So now that we can say, you know, when someone says I'm tempted, it's not of God, but Jesus understands understands what it's like for human beings to be tempted and he offers salvation to us so that's, that's kind of a convoluted answer to your question bob but i think it, it's it, it's nuanced we're going to have to take it case by case and uh, and understand too that right in the grand scheme of things i think i agree with everyone when we look back on this overall we're going to take a look at the death toll of this and say gosh was it really as bad as we thought it was but boy it yeah. sure seemed like it yeah well absolutely great point and, and uh, go ahead uh, go ahead yeah I just want to tag what Roger just said because it was so profound and uh, all of that you're saying is really resonating with me. You know, I think um, this being Holy Week, as some refer to it, uh, you know, with Good Friday being the day that Jesus died, was buried, rose again. Uh, we celebrate that on Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. Um, you say, well, what, what difference did that make if you're a non-believer? You know, why does this matter? Uh, and I think about, you know, the, the moment Jesus died, the, the veil that separated man from God was torn in two, uh, from the top to the bottom. And this is a, a heavy piece of garment, way yeah. bigger than anybody could have ever torn with their own hands. God himself right. tore that, saying, I want I want man and God to be one now. You know, uh, I will be their God and they will be my people as a part of the, the, the covenant that he made with mankind, the new covenant, uh, which was, you know, made possible by the shed blood of Jesus. But my point is this, that a lot of times I've looked at that, and I think many of us have, and said, wow, that gives us access to God. Like, we can actually know God now. And that is a great, incredible statement. But it also means that God had access to us because uh, the sin issue was satisfied in the death of, of Jesus and the, and the shedding of his blood. And so God 
entered our story. He came to Earth as a baby, which somebody referred to earlier, and Roger, everything you just said plays into this. You know, the idea that God intervened, he, he came into our mess to rescue us from it. John three seventeen says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world would be saved through him. So what I'm getting at here is that I think part of the celebration we need to focus on this weekend in light of this whole coronavirus thing and stuff is that God intervened to rescue us from the mess that we were in, this broken and fallen world. He's here to save us, to guide us, to lead us, to provide comfort. He's available to us and that we can love him because he first loved us. So the message is love, the message is hope and redemption and today's the day of salvation and i just uh i really love where this conversation mm. went today i gotta be honest guys because yeah i mean there's there's a lot floating around but there's there's a whole mm. bunch of spiritual truth we can cling to in the midst of the mayhem and uh i just love and appreciate okay. you guys and thank you for sharing well I, I learn from you guys every single week well uh, likewise likewise excellent excellent point Excellent point there, Neil. Thank you so much. A great cap to this. And hey, you know what? Anybody out there, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he stands ready to receive you now. All you need to do is give your life to him. I mean, you pray and you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, wash you clean of your sins, prepare a place for you in heaven, and you recognize that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and you give your life to him. Uh, He hears you. He takes you seriously. And you know something? You will be washed clean of your sins and you become quote unquote right with God. Oh, coronavirus, maybe I should get right with God. It's not about sitting up straight and combing your hair and doing some religious things. You give your life to Jesus Christ and you pray that prayer and uh, you will be saved and you will be washed clean. Absolutely. Uh, John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver. Roger Marsh, the bottom line, Southern California. Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live, Buffalo, New York. Myself, Bob Duco out of Detroit. Gentlemen, always great catching up with you. Thanks so much. And we'll continue this conversation next week. Don't forget, everybody, you can go to Apple Podcast Stitcher, tune in. You can also listen online, Crawford.live. We'd love it if you would rate the podcast. Give us five stars. We always appreciate that and who knows maybe next week or sometime soon we'll talk about all the coronavirus conspiracy theories too uh gentlemen great talking with you we'll talk to you next week likewise bob god bless you thanks bob you bet god bless everybody this has been the national crawford roundtable podcast thank you for joining us download and subscribe to the national crawford roundtable podcast available on apple podcasts stitcher tune in and more Apple users can rate the podcast, and we'd appreciate your five-star rating. National Crawford Roundtable Podcast returns with a new discussion each week. Be sure to watch for the notification on your podcast app. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting Company production.